Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. We have no dues or fees, so please refer this podcast to a friend. Make sure you rate, review, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Adam Meredith. Adam, what's up, brother? I'm good, dude. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Adam, um, I, like a lot of the people that I interview, don't know his story, and I don't know a lot about Adam. I just know that he's made some pretty big moves recently that have caught a lot of people's eye, including myself. And so here today, we're going to hear about what Adam's, you know, what, what what's his deal? What's your deal, brother? What's going on? Uh, man, uh, well, first, dude, thanks for having me on the show. Dude. I really appreciate it. But My pleasure. Uh, maybe in a nutshell, the, the best way to put it, dude, is I'm just working to, you know, build the life I want to fucking live. I feel like so many people, including myself, you know, you you settle, and I've I've went down the path of. Man, I went and got my degrees. I worked the corporate nine to five. I was extremely depressed because of it. And uh, it probably two and a half years ago now, um, dude, I was killing it at my job and I ended up getting let go. And it was just like a big perspective shift. And, uh, you know, I just, I just fucking from there on, I was like, man, I can't, I can't run this rat race anymore. I'm not happy. It's miserable. It's time just to build the life I want to live. So that's kind of where I'm at in life. So that two and a half years ago, were you in, were you working corporate at that point? Yeah, man. I, um, I was working at a huge company, like a fortune 20 company, big ass company here in St. Louis, uh, in the healthcare space. Like I had my master's in healthcare administration and I was doing project management with them. And dude, just be honest, I guess we're kind of a little bit past it now. So it felt weird to say in the beginning, but Dude, I mean, I'm a I'm a regular cannabis user, and yeah. I it just I got let go for cannabis, and it's just kind of one of those deals to where I was playing with fire. I knew what their policy was. I was like, man, I'm killing it. I'll just take my chances, and you know, it didn't work out for me. But in the grand scheme, I look at it, I'm like, man, like that was the best thing that ever happened for me because. I, I probably wouldn't have actually taken that leap. It's a scary fucking leap to go out on your own. Like I probably wouldn't have done that on my own. So they just made the decision for me. And like, it was abrupt and it was, it sent me on like an emotional roller coaster. And I took a couple contracts 
for a year. Like I, I did one for like five or six months, did my own thing for another five or six months, took another contract for five or six months. And then last year, I think it was last October was that second, it was when that second contract ended. And then I was like, I'm done. I can't take another contract. I don't want to be in that corporate setting anymore. It just makes me miserable. Nobody's happy. It's time to just like full time, keep trying to build the life I want to do. Like I want to live and fuck dude, here I am now. That's awesome. I'm not sure why in the hell you, can you see me? I can see you. Can you not see me? Not whatsoever. Oh, that's no bueno. Can you hear me? I can hear you totally fine. So that, that is good. I do put this on. Why in the hell is it doing this? All right. So anyway, all right. So I I do want you to dive into why. Okay. So just to be clear, it is 100% legal to use cannabis where you live. Correct. It's, it's, it's medicinally, um, legal here, but I'm not gonna, at the time it wasn't. So it's, it's very, I probably would say the last year it's been legal here. So at the time it wasn't, again, that's just one of those things, man. Like I knew what I was doing and it's just one of those deals, man. But ultimately it taught me the lesson that when you're in those corporate structures, you're really just another number. Like you're always replaceable. And I think that's an important lesson for people to understand that there's always somebody who can do what you're doing. <clears throat> no, that's 100% true. So let me ask you this. Um, so to, to people that are, that live in a state that it is not legal, which would be, I'm sorry, that it is legal. Would work. So do each, uh, do the different companies have different policies? Is that how that works? Yeah, every company can control their own policy. It's just with it being like illegal on the federal level. Okay. It doesn't really matter what state you're in. Like each company could kind of use that as a reason for like not allowing it or for testing for it or whatever the case may be. And that company in particular, like they do operate in some states where it was legal, both recreationally and uh, medicinally it's just it wasn't in our state at the time so they wouldn't make an exception for that which it is what it is man like I look back on it and it was definitely again just one of those things that happened for me because otherwise I'd still probably be in that corporate structure like not really working towards the things I, I should be working towards I feel that's a, yeah no I agree I just I don't think I really knew um I don't think I really knew that, uh, that, you know, that the state at the state level that people, I guess I didn't know the company policies and I guess it only makes sense if you're a, you know, a UPS driver, I'm guessing they don't want you smoking cannabis, you know, even in California where it's legal, but I, I don't, but I don't know until you just said that. So, but it's per company and per state, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of companies will have just, you know, the same blanket policy. It's like, you know, because for the longest time it was just flat across the board illegal. So it's like, we just don't allow it. Right. Right. And then, you know, kind of the more we learn about cannabis and the health benefits and the medicinal applications, uh, it, it, it can get kind of squirrely whenever you're doing the testing because it does, you know, the metabolites and, you know, you can detect the, the cannabinoids like in your your urine or your blood or your hair for quite some time. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean like you're impaired or unable to do what you're able to do. It's just, they're just able to, you know, test for those as opposed to something like, um, like an opioid or like alcohol, which metabolizes much quicker in your system. So when they test for it, it can be gone within like a day or so. So it's just one of those things, man. So, um, but it's okay. So I just, I don't know. I guess I find that super interesting that, so, so are there companies that do allow it? I'm just at, just out of curiosity. I mean, I, I'm sure if you work, there are. Yeah. I think it's just kind of one of those things where if, if the company and whoever's running it just kind of has, you know, that, that viewpoint on cannabis or sometimes it's like, don't ask, don't tell, like they're not really worried about it. Um, it just, it just depends on the company and the owner and like what they want to do. You're not going to see a lot of big, like, you know, fortune 500 companies kind of either allowing it or you'll see a lot of them just like not testing for it, just not even talking about it. That makes sense. Kind of out of sight, out of mind. That makes sense. All right. Go ahead. I'd say if you're looking at like, you know, progressive companies like, like Apple, like Tesla, um, like Uber, you know, like these big Facebook, like, a lot of even like the CEOs and higher ups, a lot of those people are doing a lot of psychedelics and intending things like Burning Man. And you're seeing just a whole like. Well, so time out a second. I want you to go there for a moment. When you say a lot of these higher up people are doing psychedelics and then you mentioned Burning Man. The reason I wanted you to hit on that for a moment. I do. I do delve into that for a second. Why do you say that? And what do you mean by that? Well, I think in some of these more progressive companies and I, again, I don't know what everybody's experience is, but you can definitely have some very um, life changing, like conscious altering experiences with psychedelics, such as like MDMA or LSD or psilocybin mushrooms. And, and you're even seeing just with like on, like on the medicinal front, you're seeing a lot of people, um, cure things such as like depression and anxiety and PTSD, like MDMA is on the fast track to full legalization because it's been, it's been proven to be like a breakthrough therapy for a lot of soldiers dealing with, um, you know, PTSD and anxiety and trauma. So there's just a lot of benefits to those. And I think you're seeing that kind of spill over into business and creativity. So that's exactly, uh, so not the PTSD exactly, but that is such a fucking great point. And I wanted you to hit on that because actually I didn't even think about the PTSD until you said that. And then I remember I used the other day I was reading an article about it. I subscribed to, um, a certain group that, you know, they help funding for, things like MDMA therapy or psychedelics, or that's exactly why I asked because I was like, okay, why did he say that? Because if you think about, uh, there are, like you said, there are people that are super high up that have claimed, uh, I believe, I believe, and and I could be wrong about this. I believe Steve jobs, maybe one of them that has used LSD or, mushrooms uh to like you said to enhance that creativity and i'm so glad you brought that up because i think that from my viewpoint there's a place for that 
And, and the MDMA, dude, there's no question that that's helping people with depression. And I believe that LSD and the mushrooms also do the same thing, without a doubt. 100%, man. I, I totally agree with you. We've just been living in a society that's just really driven by a particular narrative, right? Saying, you know, these things that are, for the most part, pretty natural. Psilocybin is a natural occurring, you know, compound. Cannabis has, you know, that's a naturally occurring plant. Ayahuasca, which is DMT. I mean, you know, DMT is in almost all living things and we produce that as well. So a lot of these things are natural, but the narrative has been, you know, do opioids, do, you know, pharmaceuticals, because these things are bad for you. You know, growing up, we've always been told this leads to this and this is the gateway drug. And it's like cannabis isn't a gateway drug. Like sugar is the gateway drug, if anything. Most people... You know what I'm saying? Like most people are introduced to sugar at their first birthday where they get a free birthday cake and like a kid doesn't even know what to do with that. You know what I mean? But as soon as they get it, you see their brains just light up. Like that's the real gateway, dude. But you are so – dude, you are talking to the right dude. I'm telling you that is so – I've never heard anybody put it that way. That is so fucking true. Um, you know, I my background is in health and fitness and – nutrition and so on and so forth and sugar is harder to harder to beat than crack or cocaine well let me ask you this dude what's the difference between sugar and cocaine you know what that's a fucking great question one of them makes you fat and one of them makes you skinny that's the only thing i can tell you because if you look at them, right, and if you and if you look at them from a process standpoint so let's let's talk about cocaine first so you have the coca leaf Right. which a lot of indigenous people will chew on the coca leaf and it's like a mild stimulant. It's like coffee, for example. You know what I mean? It's not super addictive. You get some uh, heightened sense of like mental acuity, nothing crazy. But then you take it through this chemical process and now you have this concentrated form that you derived from the plant and now we have this white powder that we call cocaine. Well, that's the same thing that we do with sugar, right? I mean, you have sugar cane, right, which in itself – it's probably like a sweetener, it's more natural, but then you take it through this chemical process and now you have this concentrated derivative of another white powder that we call sugar and boom, like it actually has been shown to be more addictive. It, it fucking lights up the brain, if not more than cocaine. It's just, it doesn't have the same conscious altering effects to the same degree. But like what, what's really the difference there? I don't, Such I don't know. A good point. God, Adam, that's such a great fucking point. Well, I'll tell you, this is the biggest difference is that sugar, I can go you know, I can go down the street to the gas station and buy as much as many products, including alcohol, as I would like with sugar in it. Yeah. Yet I can't go buy cocaine because it's not legal. If it were legal, like it is in Amsterdam, you know, Amsterdam they don't have these problems. They don't have the people, you know, that are robbing people and they don't have the high crime rate. Why? Because everything's fucking legal. But sugar is the – it kills more people than, than crack cocaine by far. There's no question about that. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency 
and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah, man. But, you know, there's been just this whole like narrative of like, this is okay. And that's not okay. Like sugar's totally fine. And, but, but uh, you want to stay away from fats because fats are making you sick. It's like, no fats are okay for you. It's the sugar and refined carbohydrates that are making a lot of people sick. Right. And then it's just, unfortunately there's just a lot of misinformation out there. It's, it's out there. It's, it's cool that we finally are seeing a lot of change. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the corporate greed is kind of becoming, put to like the back burner because the reason why like cannabis is illegal and a lot of these things are illegal is, is simply just because like greed and who has the power. So are you familiar with like why cannabis is illegal? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. And I'll, I, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I think it's illegal or what I've read. I did a whole, Adam, I did a whole ton of research on, CBD, the cannabinoids, the CB1, CB2 receptors. So I'm very familiar with that portion. Now, the THC portion, not as familiar because I wasn't going into that industry. And I, at this point, I broker some cannabis, uh, more so CBD uh, flower. But uh, to answer your question, the reason uh, it was illegal or they made it illegal was and this is the cold hard facts from what I read was because um, African-Americans were smoking it and white women started smoking it. And the, the people in power at the time, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was in the thirties. And they thought that because of that, that it was somehow going to infect the white people. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong on that. Dude, that's no, that's that's 100 like a part of the narrative for sure. And it really, it even just boils down to even more simple than that, dude. It was just, it was just greed and power. So there were a, a couple key players. You have William Randolph Hearst, um, which he was a big business mogul. His family had, I mean, he was like a second or third generation like business guy. So that, I mean, kind of old money, lots of money, and he had a lot of investment into like he had a newspaper company and he had a lot of investment like into like lumber and wood and there's a new device that came out called the decorticator which helped processing hemp textile much faster and even cheaper than using wood so he stood to lose a ton of fucking money ton of money he had all this money wrapped up in lumber and then you partner his political and like financial influence with harry anslinger who worked for the government. He was like a lawman. He, I mean, he just was a very like righteous person. You know what I mean? Like right is right. Wrong is wrong. So you kind of pair those up together where you have somebody in the government and then you have somebody who had, you know, has a lot of money and stands to lose a lot. You know, then they, they partner up and then now you have this whole kind of like political propaganda campaign, which to your point, that's where you get reefer madness. And that's when you start adding in like the color reasons where this is what the uneducated and dangerous, you know, Mexican and black people are doing. And if, you know, they smoke this and that's why they started calling cannabis marijuana, right? Cause that's a, it's a Mexican word. And then now you can start associating that with those people. So now you smoke this, now it's going to make you go crazy. And then they're going to, and then the black people and the colored people or whoever, like they're going to rape all the white women. And then you got this fear mongering going on and it just all kind of boils down to like this 
political propaganda um, campaign that was kind of set loose on America just because there's so much money to be lost. I mean, we know that hemp, just the the fiber itself, because when you're talking about cannabis, I mean, you have your hemp strains, which are your high CBD, essentially no THC, right? right. Which are, are great for, um, if you're looking for the medicinal benefits of uh, CBD, those are great. But as a textile, those are like second to none, man. Like you can make paper, you can make cloth, you can make food, you can make oil, you can make concrete. I mean, Henry Ford developed an entire vehicle out of hemp, dude. So absolutely he did. You know, we really set our, our, our economy back by that, but it was just because of the few people in power. So you fast forward all the way today, we have decades of just misinformation and lies just because it didn't fit a particular narrative. Like you're always hear people say, well, we need more research. There's no, we don't have enough information, but there's a great book about this called um, smoke signals. And it kind of talks about the entire history of cannabis, both from like, you know, economics and history and um, just like all these different areas of, of uh, like society and culture. And um, fuck dude, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought for a second. Well, we were, yeah, we were just talking about the hemp industry, and 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 I think where you were going oh, yeah. with it. Go ahead, you got it. No, yeah, I'm just saying, like the book goes into pretty good detail about a lot of this different stuff. So there's just, oh, I know what I'm saying, and it talks about how there are like several uh, reports and studies that were put together since like the late 1800s from all different sources all around the world. So we have plenty of research. We have plenty of uh information and in fact i mean the government holds patents on the plant itself so like we know it is it's just it's just kind of one of those things man where it just doesn't fit the agenda unfortunately so help me understand that you know how okay so so hemp itself federally is illegal right I think the cannabis plant as a whole is, is federally illegal. Now, okay. I think on the federal side, it's been passed to where we can now start, or it's been maybe the past over the past few years or something, but for agricultural purposes, hemp is pretty much legal, I think, everywhere now. Okay. All right. So, um, but, but yet in, oh shit, now I lost my train of thought. Um, okay, I think what I was going to say is that, shit, I really did lose it. Yeah, we'll come back. It does happen. So I, I do um, it often. <laughs> as long as it's not like a big guest, when it happens, you'll be fine. Yeah, right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It did. And with the last names, it happens almost every single guest. And the thing is, and like, you're the first person, this is the second person this has happened to like, I cannot, I still can't see you. I have no idea what the fuck I did. Doesn't matter. I can tell it took you off your game for a second. Totally, totally. took me off my fucking game. 100%. You're, you're rolling with it, though. So, um, but what I find interesting about cannabis is that, you know, there are, there are so many benefits, both financially and, you know, and, of course, the the, the textile industry, but, Let's just go with the financial part with marijuana itself. Cannabis meaning marijuana. The marijuana sales. Look at look at Colorado. Colorado has completely come out of debt because of cannabis. Oh, why, dude. why the fuck does every other state not? Why are they not like, wow, 
we should think about maybe getting out of debt. Well, just as a as a whole, the country and it's it's fucked up because the I mean the government still collects taxes off of this. Like they still oh, get the, so they glad still, you, all right. That's what I was going to say. You said they had a federal patent. My question to you was going to be: How is it that they have CBD that's that that's a drug that you can actually get a prescription for, right? Your CBD? No, you don't need a prescription for CBD. No, no I know, but they have one that you do. For kids, yeah, like you can get like a synthetic, like THC, like Marinol, and and they'll they'll write a prescription for that. No, no, no. I'm thinking about the one for epilepsy for the kids. Yeah, so that is, um, I think, Epidiolac. Um, Maybe I could be wrong. That's actually made by a company called GD Pharmaceuticals, and they okay. do they do full spectrum cannabis uh, pharmaceuticals. So meaning they don't try to extract just like one or two of the cannabinoids. They take the entire plant and they'll make products out of that. Because what we're learning is you can kind of pick and choose these different cannabinoids because there's over a hundred. So, you know, your, your CBN, your CBG, your CBD, your yeah. THD, there's all these different cannabinoids. And what we're finding is that those work better together. Right. So you see a lot of people, for example, if they're using CBD, they get a better um, outcome if they use like a one to one ratio THC CBD product because the THC helps enhance um, the effects and benefits of the CBD. So when you go full spectrum and use the whole plant and you don't try to like isolate any of these cannabinoids, that's when you're getting like the best benefit. So that's one of the things that GW Pharmaceuticals does is they utilize the whole plant for like their products and yeah dude they're they're killing it with with things that they're making i think you know i know for me it before i don't you know started into you know in the cbd world i uh, i didn't know the difference between an isolate and a full spectrum or broad spectrum and it it doesn't really make sense unless you have to pass a drug test to use isolate to me it just doesn't make sense why you would buy a, a cbd isolate yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of one of those things that if if you don't have the understanding or, again, if you have to take a drug test, then, yeah, that's just kind of the entry point for a lot of people and, and kind of learning what the benefits are of the plant. And I've talked to some some researchers and different things. I plan to have them on the, uh, the, the podcast, but, I mean, we have an endocannabinoid system. Like, we have a system that endogenously, like, we make these cannabinoids. I can't remember which particular cannabinoid it is, but one of them is, like, is the reason, like, why we get, like, that runner's high. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going your endurance and then all of a sudden like you feel great. Like that's a cannabinoid. I don't know which one, but like that's your body producing that. And we have that system and we have those receptors. And what I guess the, the idea is based off some of the people I've talked to, the reason why so many people are getting benefits from just like the isolate of, of CBD is because we're, we're cannabinoid deficient. So we have a deficiency of these cannabinoids. And that's why it almost sounds like snake oil, right? Because so many people are getting benefits from these and in different ways because CBD in itself is an adaptogen. Like it helps your body find homeostasis, which is what the body is always trying to do, yes. right? And it helps in all these different areas. Like that's why CBD can help with you know, your gut health and your brain health and it helps with mood regulation and it helps with your uh, just inflammation control. Like just controlling inflammation alone can help somebody in 
tons of different ways, just depending on who it is. No, you're dude, you're 100% right. Um, and yeah, our, so we have an endocannabinoid system. There's about 130 cannabinoids that you could essentially extract out of a plant and why So the reason that we're deficient in our cannabinoids is because the motherfuckers in the thirties decided to make it illegal. And so it's such an important part of our daily, um, the way we, let's just, just like you said, gut health or our, our inflammation, it really and truly affects all of that stuff. And so the biggest reason we're deficient is because it's been illegal for so long. And, yeah. and on the, and, and on the industry, like the industrial side, you talked about, you said something about the guy with the wood, you know, hemp is seven times stronger than a piece of wood. Dude, it's a much stronger fabric. It takes, uh, I believe a fraction of the time, like mm-hmm. as much, and I don't want to fuck this up, but in one acre of hemp, can produce as much paper as it would take, I believe, like 16 acres of hemp. And you can do it in a fraction of the time, like a fourth of the time. Well, so it's like, it's well, crazy. Well, Adam, think about this. How, I mean, I don't know the answer to this. So when I ask, I don't, I really don't have the answer. I don't know how long it takes a fucking tree to grow. But I can tell you right now, it's less time than it takes to grow a hemp plant. I can promise you that. I'm sorry, yeah. it's more time. For the oh tree. yeah, 100%. It takes, I mean, you're looking at like 16 weeks or so for hemp and that actually revitalizes the, the, the soil nutrients, which is what we need, especially with all the monocropping that we do. That's right. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it helps with air uh, filtration and quality. It's, there's just, it's, it, it blows me away because we, we know a better way, but we just obviously ignore it. Or you hear people say like, how is that feasible? Like that's not, anything's really feasible and affordable. Like it just, <laughs> whether or not we're going to do it. Right. No, that's absolutely true. And yeah. if people can just stop, like you said, the marijuana madness, that's such fucking horse shit. Like it, if we can just get some new school people thinking in this direction well the new school people are thinking in this direction we're getting there people that are not right we are getting there we're getting there so if you had to guess how long do you think it'll be before it's legal in all 50 states dude i don't maybe just being optimistic and and i think it'll be a whole lot sooner than we think but realistically i think we're probably within the next five years i think we're gonna live in a completely like legal society as far as cannabis is concerned and then on the psychedelic front, kind of referencing the beginning of the conversation, man, we're seeing more and more cities, you know, legalize um, like psilocybin and different things. So pretty soon, man, I think we're going to live in a society where like you'll have the ability to explore your consciousness and like not be afraid of going to jail for it. So I think I think we'll see it in our lifetime for sure. Oh, I totally agree. And in, in the five year mark, I think that's probably a pretty good guess. I mean. I don't, I was really asking because I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, no, I, but, but you're right about that. You know, I think Colorado and correct me if I'm wrong. I think that they've already passed some type of law with psilocybin. Yep. They have, um, Chicago has Oakland, maybe San Francisco has, I think LA has too. Um, you're, yeah, you're just seeing it more and more and it's just, it's going to be this cascading effect. And a lot of the research that's coming out of maps um, they're based in Santa Cruz, so the Multidisciplinary what, Association of Psychedelic Studies. I mean, dude, Rick Doblin's been leading the way since like the 80s, and he's, he's killing it, man. So it's, it's really exciting to see what kind of we're headed towards. 
just yes. through plants and nature. No question about that, dude. No question about it. You know, and if you think about, you know, you hear, you can hear Joe Rogan. He talks about this stuff pretty publicly. And so I, I just don't think that I don't, in a DMT, something that, you know, I've had my fair share of experiences with drugs. DMT is not one that I've tried, but I've talked to many people that have. And they say that it really does help help you, like you said, dig into your subconscious even more so than even psilocybin or LSD. Is that, uh, you know, is that from your understanding, is that correct? Dude, it's, um, it's a different experience for sure. It's, it's very intense. And the, I think the beauty of a lot of psychedelics is it allows you to kind of step back from your situation and kind of view it in a very third person perspective. Um, from my experience, so like DMT is a little bit different than that in the sense that it's a lot more intense, unless you're probably doing like ayahuasca or something, right? To where it's like a long drawn out thing. Right. But I mean, DMT itself, it's very fast acting. It's very intense. You return to baseline very quickly. Again, it's one of those compounds that we also actually produce. And what a lot of people don't understand is with any of these psychedelics is they're actually, um, they're like, they're anti-addictive. Like they, they make you not want to do them again. You go for a heavy fucking trip, dude, and you're not going to want to do that again for a little bit. You're like, no, I'm cool, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And also like, if you do them back to back, you know, multiple days, I mean, one of those, like the third or fourth day, like you're not going to feel anything, right? Because you adjust to them that quickly. So with DMT, man, for me, one of the most like life altering, like insights that I gained was like simply was that I have a body. I am not my body like I really understood that because I I'm a big believer in just like energy and like the energy that we put out is what we've returned and like just operating on a certain like vibration and living there and I truly understood for the first time that whatever our life force is like whatever that is like you can believe whatever it is you want to believe but like we as an existence like we have a body we truly are not our bodies and it's something that it scared me because whenever I was kind of on that journey, I was freaking the fuck out. It was super intense. I was blasting off. I, I couldn't really get my bearings. But the entire experience, like, I was still me. Like, I was myself 100%, but I was no longer in my body. Like, I was no longer in my body. I was somewhere else, wherever that place is, like, whatever that realm is or whatever that existence. I was somewhere else. And, like, everything was connected. Everything was one. Like, time didn't exist. It was just – it's hard to like put into words because I don't feel like I really give it justice, but it freaked me the fuck out, man. And whenever I came to like back to this, like this plane of existence and like I was back in my body and I had some time to like think about it, I realized it, it scared me so much because my whole life I just identified with this whole plane of existence. And it, like what I look at when I look in the mirror, like that is me. That's what I've always identified with. But for that period of time, I was still myself, but I wasn't in this physical realm. It was weird. So it, it was a so big for me. When you say that period of time, how long was that period? Dude, that's the thing, man. Like those experiences only last between five and 15, maybe 20 minutes, just depending on how much you have. And you know, who you are, you know what I mean? Like you have more experience with, like my first time was probably my longest time. 
Right. So yeah, let's just say between five and 15 minutes, but dude, it feels like the concept of time goes away. And this happens with almost any psychedelic, really. Like you go to this place sometimes like where time doesn't exist. And all of a sudden you can actually kind of comprehend and grasp what it means like forever, like forever is a real concept that you can understand in that moment. And it can be kind of scary and overwhelming to be honest with you. Cause we think about forever, but conceptually it's very abstract. It's like, it's out there. Like you can't really wrap your mind around it, but when you're in that place or in that state, you can, and it can freak you the fuck out. So like when you're there, it's just like, it's just happening. You like, everything is, is one, whatever that ultimate like energy forces or wherever you're at, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I feel like I'm doing it no justice, but you feel like you're there forever. Like it just, time is not a concept there. It's just foreverness, eternity, and you can understand it as well. Well, what's interesting, dude, is that, you know, your description has, is very similar to most descriptions that I've heard because yeah. it's hard to put words on the experience. Yeah, man. It's like one of those things in, in, in particular with DMT, so dimethyltryptamine for the listeners, um, dude, it's like you forget about it because the memories, like your memory of it goes away pretty quick. But as soon as you do it again and you're back there and that place, you're like, oh, this is it. Now I remember. I was so, how could I forget all of this stuff? But it's like, as soon as you're not there, man, it's just, it just you, you can't put it in the words. It's really weird. It's, it's some crazy shit. So what have you, what do you think about people? What do you think about microdosing? Like, you know, you hear microdosing, I think is a, is a, is a very real and popular thing this day and age. I don't, I think it is at least I've heard, I have learned a lot about it, meaning that, you know, people microdose mushrooms or LSD. I don't know about DMT. Uh, people, I think, also microdose, you know, marijuana. I'm not sure why they would do that, but maybe you can shed some light. I don't know. Yeah, man, you're seeing a lot more people doing microdosing and, um, like, especially microdosing of, like, MDMA and psilocybin. Like, that's pretty big in, like, Silicon Valley, kind of to our, our points earlier where you're seeing a lot of, like, high-tech creatives and CEOs and different things using that as um, like a strategy for creativity and focus because what you're doing is the idea is to take like a 10th or a 20th of a dose to where there's not really any visuals there, but right. you do, you do get like these benefits uh, like mentally and creativity, like your creativity in different things. So it's funny you asked that question. I was just um, listening to an interview with Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan pretty recently. Okay. And he was talking about, the benefits of microdosing and how they did a study with um, with some mice and basically what they did was they kind of they gave they they would sh they would I think play a sound and then they would shock the the mice right and they would kind of get them to associate the sound with trauma so that way eventually you know it's just trauma so they have like this PTSD essentially and then what they did was then they gave the mice psychedelics uh, I think one group was equate to like one gram for like a human. So like a pretty good, like that's a good amount for like a good blast off experience, like nothing too overwhelming, but you're going to get a good experience out of it. And I think what they showed was the, or I'm sorry, the second group was a microdose. I saw like a 10th of a dose, for example. What they showed was the, the group that had like the one milligram equivalent. Okay. It took them, I think like 10 cycles 
of like the the bell without getting shocked to get past that state of trauma to where you know they they hear the bell and they don't react to it right so So in other words uh, it took them 10 times with the shock on the 11th time so to speak they they got it they were cool they didn't have they they didn't get to have to get shocked is that what you're saying right so what they did was so they let's say they took 10 times and they shocked them and then now the mice have this memory of trauma right okay so now you take them through a whole new cycle and now they're conditioned to hear that sound and then they expect the trauma to come so they react to that so what the test is studying is how quickly can we get these mice past that trauma reaction using psychedelics. Okay. What they did was with the group that had like the one milligram equivalent, it took them like almost a full 10 cycles to kind of get past that trauma. So that shows that these things can help you move past trauma, right? Which is to the PTSD and, and different things like that. But with a microdose, they actually only took two cycles. So they actually got past the trauma faster with the smaller dose. So what that's showing is like there could be a lot of therapeutic benefit just from microdosing for a short period of time as opposed to like doing a, a full-on heavy dose. Interesting. Yeah. So there's actually some, some really good research out there right now going on and kind of showing the efficacy and like benefits of doing the microdoses. Well, I've heard a lot about it, and, and and in Silicon Valley, you know, you can just look up microdosing Silicon Valley, and yeah. and you'll see article after article after article, yeah. and it's pretty crazy the people that are the innovators, people like you know, uh, what's uh, Tesla? What the fuck is Elon name? Musk? Yeah, like I know that motherfucker trips. <laughs> I whole different world entirely. Right. I mean, like he's like, but the creative, the creativity that comes from these, you know, the, either the microdosing or just the one time uh, trip has been shown to pee. I mean, when you hear about the people that have done it, I'll give you a great example. So, and I didn't know this until recently. There's a guy named Bill Wilson. I don't know if you know who that is, but Bill Wilson started Alcoholics Anonymous, period. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Bill Wilson used LSD as he was getting sober. Yeah, that was one of the things that helped him start that organization. In fact, I think he wanted to make that like the, uh, is there 12 steps? So he wanted to make that like the 13th step. Right. The group of people are like, what are you talking about? We're trying to get people off of substances while we use another substance for that. So, what's, yeah. in, what's interesting, I attended AA for eight and a half years. And up until July before last. And I'll, I'll get into that in a, in a moment. Um, but for, for that period of time, never once was that fact brought up. And I'll tell you why. Because people are trying to get off substances. They are trying to get off – usually it's dual substances, not just the alcohol. And I don't I – don't, I think it would have hurt the credibility of the program. So with all that being said, in July of last year, in 2018, I started journaling. All right. How long have you been on this personal development journey of yours? Um, in what way? What do you mean? Like, you know, li- uh, you know, you obviously you listen to Andy. And so I mean by, you know, following people like Andy or, or uh, Joe Rogan or whoever. Dude, I've always kind of been this way, to be honest with have you. Have you? Yeah, okay. dude. I've always been very entrepreneurial, always um, trying to be better and do my own thing. But I would say 
I didn't start taking like consuming information very seriously until probably 2011, I would say is whenever that was like the journey of like reading all the time and studying all the time, just being better. All right. That's cool. So I, mine started 2018 in July and, and it started by my wife handing me a journal that said, okay, fine. I'm grateful. That was the name of it. Meaning, Hey, asshole, you're, you're really a negative person and you're really, un, you're really not grateful for a lot of shit that we have. I need you to start writing in this in so many words. My wife is like the coolest chick ever. And she would never say that to me, but that's basically what she was saying. I need you to be more grateful because, and dude, now looking back, I don't know how anybody ever put up with me because I was so fucking negative. And, you know, everything, nothing was ever my fault, which, you know, I might still, things sometimes are still ever my fault. But Journey, it's a process. <laughs> that's right. So uh, I bring all that up to, because um, in July, when I started this process, when I started journaling and I listened to Tony Robbins, which, you know, led me to Ed Milet, which Ed led me to Andy, uh, and then amongst, uh, you know, uh, a lot of other people, Bradley uh, is another one, but so what I realized is that subconsciously by me standing up in front of a room multiple times a week and saying, Hey, my name is Corey. I am an alcoholic. Yeah. What is that telling your subconscious mind? I'm fucking broken. I'm always going to be broken. And unless I come here, I'm fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a buddy on the, on my show and um, he's like a recovering addict. And I asked him actually that question. I'm like, dude, do you ever, cause I'm big on the words that we use and like how we identify and you know what I mean? Like there's power for sure. So I'm like, do you feel any conflict saying like I am an addict? Because like, sure. Like maybe you, maybe you were at one time or maybe you have like addictive tendencies or, but to identify as that always, it almost seems like a little bit like, you're going to pigeonhole yourself or you know what I mean? Like you're painting yourself as this person that maybe you were once, but if you always identify that, like how do you truly move past it? You know what I mean? Cause you're not that forever. That's exactly right. And so it, and I'll tell you, and what was his answer is, is, well, let me ask you this before you answer that. Is he in NA or narcotics anonymous or AA one of the two? No, he doesn't really to go. He doesn't really go to any meetings. Um, I think he has a good support system. Uh, for him, one of the biggest things was, uh, you know, his father was also uh, like an alcoholic for a real long time. And I think maybe even uncle. So, so there's like kind of that tendency in the family. And I think both of those guys are also sober. So he kind of has like a support system there through okay. them. So and what was his answer when you asked him that question? I mean, for him, if I remember right, it was just, uh, like, he's like, he just accepted it. He didn't see it as like a bad thing. He didn't see it as like this, like he had to be in like this permanent negative place. I think he just uses it as a regular identifier and reminder as to why he can't just, you know, have a casual drink. You know what I mean? Because to the average person, it's like, yeah, dude, just have one drink or just come on. But him, for him, I think it, it he frames it so that way it's like, no, I cannot have it, and this is why. So it's just kind of, I think it's just what gives him his strength. Right. So for me, you know, I like I just choose not to drink. Like, yeah. I just don't. 
you know, I've been there. I've drank more than you and, you know, the, the, I, I, you know, I've drank and done more drugs than most folks would even, um, can even imagine. And the fact is, is like, I know the experiences. I know what it gets me. I know what happens. I know that typically I don't wind up in the best spot. Meaning, yeah. you know, I've had three DUIs. I've been, I got caught, you know, with a whole bunch of cocaine in 2005 and, you know, I've learned my lessons, but you're right. I mean, the, the whole point of, of going back to the, the words that we speak, if I say I am fat or I am tired or whatever it is, I am is the most too powerful, the two most powerful words in the, in the English language, period. Very powerful. Yep. And, and so I just realized as I was going more digging more into the personal development in my subconscious and, and learning about the mind, I just decided I don't, I don't need to say that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, and I wish I, it's hard to know exactly what, you know, his stance is. Um, but yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way you do, dude. Like the words you use are powerful. And if you keep saying you are something, then it's, I mean, you're just going to identify with that forever. And it's, at a certain point, you can totally evolve past that and become something more and different. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, you know, people get stuck in, you know, in their story, right? And everybody's yeah. got their story of when they were a kid or, you know, I'm ADHD or I, you know, I didn't finish college because I didn't study hard enough but really i didn't finish college because i wanted to fuck girls and do drugs and drink that's why i didn't finish college other priorities right i mean i just you know it is what it is and but i'll tell you an interesting thing my wife and i were talking the other day and she said is there anything that you would anything from five years ago that you wouldn't change and i said well probably be you know getting married to you she said, well, what about 10 years ago? And I said, why are you asking me this? She said, you just answer me. And I said, well, I guess I wouldn't trade anything. I wouldn't trade getting sober. And she said, 15 years ago, I said, I wouldn't trade the fact that I got caught with cocaine and almost faced prison time. And luckily, I believe, because I'm white, to be perfectly honest with you, I think that's why the guy gave me a second chance. I think if I would have been a different color skin, and I don't mean black, I mean black, Mexican, any anything, I don't think I would have gotten a pass. And that's not fair, but I'm very grateful for the fact that that I had to face that experience. And then I went on to go to a six-month program that was an absolute nightmare. It wasn't prison. It wasn't jail. I can tell you that. But it still sucked. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and and But I wouldn't... Adam, I wouldn't change all that shit that I went through because it would not have made me the person I am today. Right. Yeah, 100%, dude. I mean, you, you, it, it would be nice to maybe change some of those things here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, you wouldn't be where you are today if you do change those things. So even the shitty times are important. I think about that all the time, for sure. There's probably a couple of things. It's like, ah, I probably should have went left instead of right there. But in the, in the grand scheme, it's just, it's all part of the story, dude. And it's really a, such a small part of it. When you really think about how long life is, you know, like me personally, I fully intend to live until I'm a hundred and I fully intend to be like fucking completely with it. Like mentally, physically, 
and unless like barring some sort of crazy accident you know what i mean so life is long dude there's a whole lot of shit still to do damn straight dude let me tell you something funny there's a fucking little orange tab on the front of my screen that says big as your head that says go back to meeting that i just found that's all i had to hit and now i can see you this is the first time i can see you since i fucked up 45 minutes ago it happens bro <laughs> it's funny because like it was so challenging having the conversation because i always can see whoever i'm talking to yeah and so anyway uh now now here there again i guess i wouldn't trade that because now i know how to fix it the next time i screw it up yeah you learned it it's all good so all right let's talk about you know you know i went did you go to rt live or no no, dude, man, I wished I could have. It's it's kind of one of those things, like, you asked me beforehand, like, am I in Arte? And, like, I applied whenever it was the last open thing and got accepted. It's just kind of one of those things, man. I'm in the very early stages of this, like, entrepreneurial um, journey with the podcast. And, like, it's not fun to talk about or sexy to talk about, but I'm not making a lot of scratch, dude. So, like, I can't really afford the, like, 400 bucks a month or whatever it is for the accelerator program. Like, that shit adds up. So I just focus on building the things I can build. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a great resource and there's a lot of great people. And I've had several people from the community, like start following me online and connect with me and whatnot. So that like, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things I'm not in. It, it would have been an amazing event to go to though, for sure. Well, I'll tell you, dude, I just like you, I got accepted into the program. The first, when it opened up in March, or whenever, the, whenever the fuck it was, no, uh, just this, past, this past year. And I got accepted and yeah. I was, dude, I was pumped because my journal I had written, I was going to be, you know, and at the time, um, I, you know, I had, I lost my, uh, my testosterone clinic in October of 2018. So this whole year I've been rebuilding myself. And so at the time we just didn't have the look, we just didn't have the money. Like yeah. it just, we didn't have the fucking money. And and I and it crushed the shit out of me. I could not believe it. But the real yeah. the reality is, you know, I I went to Arte Live because a friend of mine who's in the big Arte group, the syndicate. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he they had he had a guest ticket and he asked me to go and it was. I mean, I bought I bawled my eyes out. It was in one of the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Um, yeah, man. But I took that opportunity and I really met a lot of amazing people. And quite honestly, that's why I was able to start this podcast because this mic has been sitting on my desk for fucking three months. And I, it was excuse. I don't know. I don't have, I haven't set stuff up. I don't know how to do this. Just bullshit. And so I got a guy to commit to my first podcast and his name is Ryan Williams. I don't know if you've, it was the very first interview that I did. Well, I didn't. Is he the military guy? What's that? Is he the military guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool as fuck, dude. And so he said yes, and it put me in a jam, right? Because now I, I shouldn't say jam. I, right. The pressure was like, okay, I'm not going to let him down. I'm not going to look like a fraud. I'm, I got to figure this out. It's 20 hours a day, Adam. I've been grinding, figuring out. How to fucking set up lips? I I knew nothing about this. Unfortunately, right. uh, to the help of a couple of people, um, Fabian is one of them. Uh, TG Genetics. You probably follow. If you don't follow him, you should. 
Do you? Yeah, no, we follow each other. Okay. He's a fucking great, I mean, he is a solid, solid dude. But he said, dude, if you need, he said, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed. I'll be the first to tell you. He said, but I can kind of help walk you through some of it if you want me to. And I'm not much for asking for help. You know, I'm getting better at it. Um, yeah. But he helped me when I needed help. But a lot of it I figured out on my own because I knew if I got somebody else to do it for me that I I, w- I wouldn't learn it. And right. now I, there's a greater appreciation. Like I've had to learn how to mix the music in. And like, is it always perfect? No, because I don't have it saved. You know why? Because I haven't fucking asked anybody how to save the fucking intro and the outro. First. <laughs> Secondly, I probably could just Google the shit and find it, but I didn't, but I haven't. And yeah. so every time I do a, a, a podcast, it's not like it takes a ton of time, but I still have to fuck with it and get it to where it sounds like I think it sounded like before. Yeah. So it's been interesting. So how did you start? What, first of all, what's the name, the, the name of your podcast is? Oh, so my show is called outside perspective. Okay. And the, the, the basis of that is, so the whole basis of it, dude, is just me sitting down with interesting people, just having a conversation, trying to gain some perspective and sure. help others do the same. All right. So how did you connect with Andy? You're not part of Arte. You're not. You, how did you connect with him? How did you get to sit dude, down I, with him? I've known Andy for 10 years, dude. So like, I oh, mean, wow. I worked at um, his, his retail business. Okay. Uh, which is Selfman Superstores. So I worked there. Um, 2009 2010 is whenever I worked there so whenever I came on to like on board it's funny because like I kind of mentioned this some with Andy on my podcast but like I was there in the beginning when like Andy was still doing the store interviews and he's conducting all the uh, like all the meetings on Sundays and at that time first form was still really new they only had two products they had ignition and they had level one protein that was it and I remember on a I don't know. It was one of the Sunday store meetings where he introduced uh, Formula One, and the first two flavors were like watermelon and fruit punch, I do believe. So, like, I was there the very beginning, and uh, so I've just I've just known Andy for all that time. Like, I, I it was it's cool because I remember, like I said, whenever I left to move to Texas, I knew that that company was going to be like big. I just knew it. Um, at the time in my life, though, we just kind of made some other choices, and I left, but. Dude, they're just killing it. And even to this day, like I've always said, even before Andy kind of became like Andy, like who he is now, like, you know, celebrity, if you will. Um, I just always remember thinking like his intensity is very contagious and he was always a, a pretty good leader. And we talked about the Chinese bamboo earlier. And like when he told that story at a, at a, um, at a store meeting on a Sunday, like that lesson has always stuck with me. So anytime I go into anything, whether that was whenever I was fighting professionally or even doing the podcast now, I'm all about the long game and I'm, I have no problem with the slow grind. Like whenever I first started the podcast, everybody wants to tell you how to do it. They still do. They want to tell you who you should sit down with, what format you should do. You know what you should do? This would be great, blah, blah, blah. People who have never done it. And then they also, in the beginning, were always asking me like, so when are you going to monetize this? Like when are you going to start making money on this? And it's like, dude, I just started. I want to first get good at even hosting these conversations. And then I want to produce good content. My entire focus is just on good content, not the numbers, not the money, just good content. So like, that's all I've ever been focused on. Um, 
And then, you know, just after doing the podcast for, it's been a little over a year now, I finally got to the point to where I just, I was like, all right, man, well, like I've had this connection with Andy, like even before I sat down with him, like he followed me on Instagram and we've kind of DM back and forth here and there. And um, I was just like, hey, dude, like I felt at a good point to have a good conversation with him. So I reached out to him and he was all for it, man. That's pretty fucking cool, dude. You know, I did get to meet Andy when I was there. We went out to First Form and Sal was there. And yeah. and of course, Andy was actually in a meeting and Andy came out and he was like, what the fuck are all you people doing here? He was like, we got a fucking company to run. You all have to get that fuck out. It was pretty funny. You know, he yeah. shook everybody's hand, but he was no different than he is online. He's always himself. Yeah. He's a very authentic person. He's a good guy. Good energy for sure. No question about it. So that's super cool, man. That is super, super cool. So do you have anybody lined up else that you are super excited about interviewing? Um, man, I'm, I'm just really trying to get, um, more lined up. You know, we've, we've had a pretty busy week. I think we did four this week. And I, so the thing is like, I only do my conversations in person. Sure. Um, I think you can have like some great, like I listened to your conversation with Sean Whalen um, the other day. Like, that was a great conversation. I think I could probably connect with more people if I did remote conversations, but just for me, like whenever I said, I had like, I'm very stubborn and like, I only want to, I only do things like a certain way. Like whenever I started, I, I go head first into everything, you know, for some people it's like, just start. And like, when you're starting a podcast, like you don't really need anything. You can use your phone, you can use your tablet, yeah. you can use anchor as a free hosting service. If you want to like, there's all these free options. Um, but usually for me, like free is just kind of like the, it's like the lowest barrier to entry. Like if you, if you're really serious about something, you got to invest a little bit. So like I went out and I got like the H six zoom recorder and some really good like broadcasting headsets. So that way, like I wanted to produce the best quality, you know, content from the front. So I want to have the best audio cause audio is so important. So I invest a little bit of money into it. And then, um, yeah, man, I'm just focused just on building and having better conversations. Andy, so whenever I started, dude, I had a vision board. Andy was the first name on that vision board. And then the second one was Ben Newman, who I sat down with Ben at the beginning of the year. I had a third one because what I did was I just put the three biggest names I could think of here in St. Louis. Yeah. Like I had a whole, I, have, I still have a whole list of people I want to sit down with. Uh, but I put those three on there because like they're like the biggest. Like Andy had the biggest business podcast at the time, and he's just Andy. Ben is just a fucking savage, one of the, the best performance coaches in the world, and just an amazing human. And then Sean Stevenson, if you're not familiar, he wrote a book called Sleep Smarter. And then oh, had- you're kidding me! I can't, I didn't know him by his last name, but yeah, yeah, hell, I know exactly who he is. Sean's great, and he's a local guy here in St. Louis. So oh, I met him one time at like this networking event, and it's just he's hard. He's a little bit harder to get a hold of. So maybe Andy can help me make that connection. But he's the other big, and there's more people. But I got to kind of redo the list of people I want to sit down. Like I got some big plans. Like I would love to sit down with you know Ed Milet and Bedros Koulian and Cameron Haynes and fucking just all these big people that I really want to get to. And I think now we have the momentum, and I think that co-sign Andy gave me was really nice. Just saying, you know, he had such a really good experience. Um, I'm just going to keep taking that and just try to have better and better conversations. So, I mean, we just sat down with Sal, his brother last Thursday. So, I mean, that was great. And dude, I can, man, it it hurts my heart, but I can feel your pain. Like even with our conversation, right. You kind of a little bit of a technical difficulty and um, I can relate to that because I even hate saying it, but 
we, you know, you're always trying to improve and you're trying to do different, you know, things differently and figure out what works best. So sometimes like, as you know, you have these conversations, you're kind of bullshit with somebody beforehand, kind of get this flow going. And then you kind of have to like stop that natural flowing conversation to start the show. And so what we were playing with was kind of just having the recorder going. So when Sal, like when Sal walked in, the recorder's already going, boom, we throw on the headphones. You can hear me. I can hear you. Cool. Now we're just going. Like, it's just a conversation. I don't have to like stop, hit record. I think you're but, right. Yeah. So we were kind of playing with that, but we, Sal got in there. He's talking to, we probably talked for 15 minutes before we even put the headphones on. And then we put on the headphones and I go into autopilot and I'm thinking, I hit record. I so then when I do that, I stopped recording. So like the first dude, like 28 minutes of the conversation, I didn't get on my recorder. Luckily we have like three other cameras in there. So, I mean, we have the audio. We were able to pull the audio from the camera that was right next to him. It just sounds like a little echoey, like you're in a room. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and then it kicks into like the really good audio. Um, and it, it dude, when I noticed in the middle of the conversation that it wasn't recording, like my, my heart sunk. Nobody in the room know, knew, like Sal didn't know. My producer didn't know. Like nobody knew. I just hit record and just kept it moving. But for the next day, dude, I was stuck in like, just this this negative loop of thinking and just like how could I have done this conversation better? I can't believe you fucked up. Blah blah blah. So it's just a learning process, man. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I can I, I I like I can so put myself in that exact scenario. Like I can't even. And the fact that you knew in the middle of the conversation, like you saw, I handled this. I handled the whole thing, blanket out, and we're remote like nobody technically has to see the video i do put the videos out but yeah. but it it i don't you're right i the, i totally fucked up like the i didn't know, fuck it up dude it's just frustrating i it, get it. It, and it but it did it completely threw me off my fucking game um yeah. but you're so right about the recording beforehand there has been so many times that i've had conversations with people and the conversation leading up to the interview before I hit record, well, then it's almost like we don't have anything to talk about. Sometimes, yeah, man. And so you kind of start getting those reps in and figuring out how to, like, really drive that conversation. It can be tough because it's like, dude, we should be recording all of this right now. Yes. But it's weird to strike that balance, right? Because once you hit record, people don't want to say the same stuff because they know they're being recorded. And it's just different, right? The pressure's on a little bit. So I don't care. I'm, I fucking air out all my shit. Like, I don't yeah. care. Dude. I'm just me always. <laughs> so it doesn't matter to me. But yeah, dude, it can be kind of squirrely there once you hit record. People don't want to share the same stuff. Yeah, it's funny. The, so the girl that I had on before you, um, her story involves drugs heavily and alcohol. Okay. But the problem is that she's got three kids that don't know. Now, she's in a different country, and I said to her, uh, I said, are they really – I mean, they're not going to hear the fucking podcast. So, like, this is the kind of shit people want to hear. And yeah. she was like, you know, I'm working through some shit. And she was like, I, I'm just working through how to go about doing this. And I said, I respect that 100%. And, and so we'll do, we're going to do another interview that where she really dives in. And she got into it a little bit, but – yeah. not the full extent that you and I would have liked to have heard. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. totally right. Uh, this, so I'm actually interviewing Ben uh, sometime, I think in February. 
Nice. Ben's great. Yeah, I'm going to try to get around to with him pretty soon at some point. Uh, he's, a, he's a great dude for sure. He really is, dude. I mean, he's he's just a stand-up motherfucker. It's all you can say. Like, Yeah, man. The good news about him is, you know, he'll share your content and reshare it and help you gain exposure. And, if you, yeah, he's just he's just a great dude, man. Good, good sure. interview for sure. I can't wait to sit down with Ben again. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Um, all right, my man. Well, I guess if uh, I guess we need to wrap up. If you know people that are starting a podcast, what would you tell them uh, has been your biggest uh, hurdle, so to speak? Dude, I think the biggest thing with podcasting is just and really with anything. I actually just did an episode about this called "Consistency is Key." It's literally just consistency because if you are doing a podcast where you're, you're like you're scheduling people and interviewing people kind of like we do in the beginning, it's super hard because nobody knows who you are. You have, you don't have much of a library for people to reference. It's, it's, it's a risk really for everybody because for them, sure. Maybe they give you their time, but then if you don't make it past like, 10 or 15 episodes of your podcast and essentially they just wasted their time. Right. So it's like, it's tough in the beginning to get people to commit and actually stick to the commitment. Right. It's like sometimes they'll schedule somebody and then they'll be, Oh dude, I forgot. And then they'll cancel on you like the absolute last minute (laughs) or they'll reschedule on you. So it's just like the biggest hurdle dude is just staying consistent and just like not wavering. Because, you know, nobody's going to necessarily believe in what you're doing up front. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really care. It's just your job to just keep putting in the work and, like, make them care. Yeah, I know. I, I would say that's that's probably the most accurate answer you could have given, really. I mean, it's – uh, yeah, with, and with you doing them in person, you know, one of – Fabian, TG Genetics, same way. He only does them in person. He did an interview with me because he's in Cal- fucking California. I'm in North Carolina, complete opposite ends of the country. And he was like, yeah. Dude, like the only reason I'm doing this is because I've seen how you've moved over the last few weeks. It was like, yeah. I, I, he was like, I don't, I didn't see anything like that. He was like, I didn't see anybody just fucking like take a hold of something and like, you know, run. He was like, and for that reason, it took him, it took him about a week to decide whether he was going to do it or not. Because yeah. just like you, he was like, I, I made a promise. I wouldn't do this. Yeah. And so, but he broke the promise and did it for me, which was really fucking cool. Right on. Um, but I, I actually don't even know where I was going with that. Other, Oh, I do know where I was going. Yeah. Scheduling people. If you got to fly somewhere, you need to make sure that they're on point because if they're not, where the hell does that leave you out of a whole bunch of money? Yeah, man. You know, and, and patience is key, right? I mean, I'll fucking... Anytime I travel for personal or for business, like I always try to make sure I sit down with somebody in that city. But I mean, the the reason I started the podcast is because I want to actually like connect with people and have yeah. like real world connections. And I suffer like I talked about with Andy, like I, I operate from that dark energy. And because of that, man, like I don't have a lot of empathy for people. It's just get the fuck done. Like, I don't want to hear your shit. Do it. I mean, I'm doing it. I've done it in probably harder circumstances than you're dealing with. And, and that's, I probably shouldn't say that because we're all dealing no, it's all, with it. It's all good, dude. Yeah. It's like, I just have a hard time feeling sorry for people because, I mean, whenever I was an undergrad, so when I'm 20 years old, I have a son 
I'm working full time. I'm training for fighting. I'm going to school full time. I'm doing all this shit. And I don't really feel sorry for too many people whenever they don't have like a lot of responsibility and they still can't make stuff happen. Like an individual who has no kids, no student loan debt, like no responsibility, and they still can't make some shit happen. I have a hard time feeling sorry for people. So because of that, like I started the podcast so that way I can like make real human connections and interact with people. And because it can be challenging getting those people on and getting them scheduled, like I'll be super patient. Like I'll just wait. I'm like, even if I got to wait a year, it's like, Hey man, at least we developed the relationship. And over this year's time, like we can still connect on social or we can still kind of figure it out. But eventually we'll sit down in person. And when we do, it'll be even that much better of a conversation in my mind because we have that familiarity and we were able to connect for real. So it's just kind of like my own prerogative, but I actually want to sit down with him. I may be in Northern California the second week in uh, December. So here in a few weeks, and I'm just trying to figure it out right now before I reach out to him and ask him if he's available. Cause I'll probably have to drive like an hour and a half or so North to get to him. Trust me. There's no airport near him. No. Yeah. I, I would, I would, I'd fly into San Francisco and I would have to drive North to him. Um, cause he's out there from what I can tell, like out like that, that, uh, Way area. that's exactly where he is. Yeah. yeah exactly. Way the fuck out there. He's a cool ass dude to sit down with, man. Dude, he's I got to meet him in St. when I was in St. Louis. He's cool as shit, dude. He yeah, he, yeah. I gotta keep my eye on the pulse with, with things that uh that Andy has in town because there's a lot of cool people who come into town for his events and if I can just kinda start siphoning off guests as yeah. they come to my city, like that's that's the next step in plan. That's smart, dude. That's super smart. All right, brother. Well, let's wrap up. And man, I really appreciate you just giving me your time today. I know it, for some people, it maybe it doesn't seem like much, but to me, it's it's an honor that you sat down with me. Just you don't even fucking know me, but you were you were willing to sit down with me and tell me your story, and us just shoot the shit for an hour. Or I don't even know how long now, but um, thank you. No, dude, thank you, man. This has been a fun conversation. Um, I really appreciate you just like even asking me to be on, dude. This is this is fun, man. Absolutely, dude. I remember the first when I was asked to be on my first podcast. I not that this is your first one, but it really made me feel special. And I have to. I remember that feeling when I ask people, they're like, "Wow, nobody's ever asked me to be on a podcast because I can give them that same, you know, that same feeling." Yeah, dude, it feels cool. And dude, we have the best Trojan horse in the world right now. Like. to to your point like somebody giving you like an hour of their time i think about that all the time like andy frisella gave me an hour of his time fucking sal frisella did sean thomas so i just sat down with sean thomas we're going to release his episode on thursday he runs the formerly like a millionaire page now it's called the original mentor like where he does coaching and mentor like that page has like 1.4 million followers so like he has a big tribe too right so it's like these people who are charged 500 600 800 an hour for their time like they just give you an hour of their time for free dude like we have the best trojan horse here to like connect with people and have really cool conversations 100 absolutely dude thank you so much and uh you and i have more in common than i thought and we'll connect on that later on but thank you brother i appreciate it and uh have an awesome day right on dude i'll talk to you later you got it brother later I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do. And look, if you really enjoyed today's episode, email me at SuccessfulLife.com 
podcast at gmail.com and tell me what it was you enjoyed. And if there's somebody that you want me to bring on, then email me about that and tell me who it is and I'll make sure it happens. So, you know, leave us a review, tell a friend and until next time, folks, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.